Hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. We're here to talk about failed blockbusters, season two, winding down the season with my co-host, Matt Garingo. Hey. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. We talked for like an hour and a half before we started recording. I know. I know. It's it's fine. It's fine. It was about important stuff. Yeah. Like uh, Jay Leno. <laughs> we talk, and his dead legacy. We talk about Jay Leno and his dead eyes. <laughs> um, his just massive chin. Talked about Logan Paul. Talked about streaming. Um, well, let's check in on the Warner Brothers stock. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I actually know this one. It's down two point like seventy five billion dollars. It's been going like up and down, like massive in the last few days yes yes but they they are operating at like a mega loss right now yeah it looks like at uh um let me look in the last because in in the last day it's been just going up and down so it looks like there's been a gross but yeah mm-hmm. it's down like 60 percent which is even funnier because if you uh have been paying attention to the news the actual like revenue they wanted to like um be able to kind of uh, uh cut away fat wise like production cost wise they wanted to cut out like three billion dollars worth of production costs in various different departments right and they've almost lost three billion dollars hey i'm sure everyone's really happy about that i'm sure that's how this is all working so well yeah Mm -hmm. it's funny it's just it's all dropping even though they've technically shown a uh revenue increase of over 200 percent hmm but uh, the net uh, income is still down 600%. So uh, they're not they're not doing too great. No, no. It couldn't have happened to a better company. You know who is doing great? Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers, which we are here to talk about today. The movie itself is doing great. <laughs> I mean, it's predicting the future, which is great. Oh, it's not saying that. We're not going to come in here and be like, hey, this is what's to come. Like, not... No, no, no. I, I don't want to be the Simpson writers being like, oh, we're doing an episode that explains how we predicted the future and not, oh, we haven't fixed any of society's problems. And that's why we're just calling shit because it's the same problems. That's what it Exacerbated. is. Exacerbated. That's all it is. That's all. The twentieth, the 20th century has never ended, <laughs> and it's all the same fucking shit. It's just now we all have nukes, and we're also going to space, so things are going great. Things are good. This movie's good. All right, bye everyone. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. Uh, Starship Troopers, a 1997 American military science fiction action film directed by Paul Verhoeven. Written by Edward Neumeyer, it's based on a book by Robert Heinlein's 1959 novel. Um, Matt, what do you know about the original book? Um, some might call it fascist in nature. <laughs> <laughs> some might call it uh, just pure militarism and jingoism. 
Um, others would say it is not that at all in any capacity. And I know that Heinlein in his later years tried to, uh, you know, distance himself from the themes. And some argue that the themes aren't actually present in the book. I actually only read it once. Um, I remember thinking, yeah, this is the, the propaganda novel <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but I know people make strong arguments that it actually isn't those things. I don't know if I'm good enough to go a hundred percent in on the book. I know that what a lot of people point out is that in the book, there's a lot of debate. Like there's a lot of teachers going back and forth, um, being like, well, here's, here is the like military side of things. Like here's the democratic side of things, blah, blah, blah. And I think people go to that being like, see, it's just kind of showing you the two sides of things. And when I remember when I was reading it, that that felt like the more insidious thing because it, it presents like this illusion of choice, you know, mm-hmm. if like Johnny Rico is making the choices to live in this society and that's not what's really happening. Um, but hey, uh, have you read any Heinlein? I have not. He's an important figure in science fiction, for what it's worth. Should I just start with Starship Troopers? Uh, probably not. Okay. Um, what's a what's a good Heinlein one to start with? What about Stranger in a Strange Land? See, I know the title for that one. That might be a better one to start with. Um, it's weird. I mean, he's got like the Moon is a Harsh Mistress. I think his like short story collection is he. Hold on, let me look it up real quick. Um. Yeah, Have Spacesuit, Will Travel, which is like a short story collection, I believe. Oh, no, it's a novel. What's a short story collection called, then? I know I read one. Um, he's interesting. He definitely has... It's this thing... It's the classic, like... He had a lot of really progressive ideas about, like, race and, like, gender and stuff like that. But he also had, like, this other side to him, you know? He was... Yeah, like, I mean, there are multiple interviews where he describes himself as, like, a libertarian. Uh, which I would definitely, he definitely leads more towards that, and but also that thing of like, I think outsiders looking in view libertarianism as more liberal than it really is, when libertarianism is actually a lot more conservative than it often tries to portray itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think even people in libertarianism think they're a lot more liberal than they actually are, but that I, I would say libertarianism probably fits closer to Heinlein with a certain reverence for the military uh, but a lot of like you know he's one of those guys where it's like power armor comes from him like that's that goes back to the starship trooper novel you know oh really uh, like a lot oh i didn't know that a lot of our science fiction concepts you can trace back to someone like you know it's like heinlein like asimov you know mm-hmm. like those guys and they all have their own problems particularly asimov who's like definitely doesn't have a great opinion of women um or like what's his fuck um 2001 arthur c clark you know mm-hmm. um, you know that's super fucking funny because here we're, we're debating like the the merits and qualities of this guy's work whether it be like politically agreeable or not and then now you take like the power armor stuff that pops up in like every version of fallout right yeah and it's like now the guy running that series which was once a satirical apocalyptic adventure series about choice and consequences and now the dude running it is just like the most brain dead white vanilla bread guy possible who has no political thoughts whatsoever <laughs> to the point where they kind of ends up leaning more like 
conservative. I'm talking about Todd Howard. I'm talking about Todd Howard. Yes. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yes, Todd Howard, who's uh, he seems like a nice guy. Seems like a nice guy. He's also rich, so he's also rich and has no individual take, thought. You can take any criticism we're throwing at him. Yeah, he he has never had a single creative thought in his brain. I'm trying to think, like what? Because I, like I said, I talk just talk about video games for a second. I do not. I have not been able to figure out the appeal of the Elder Scrolls games. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm talking shit, and I'm like, oh, I like Skyrim. Yeah. Like what? What do you like about it? Oh, I. This, this is gonna sound so stupid. I just like the vibe of like walking around. I'm like, oh, the pretty stars at night, and like, oh, look at look at all these little plants. It's so cool. Like, I just like fantasy bullshit. I'm the type of loser that can just walk around at night on a Friday in a video game, just like, oh, look at all that. Yeah. You know it's what? So pretty. When you say that, you might be you might have gotten closer than anyone I know because the only stuff I ever really remember from that game is the like walking around. And I don't mean that as in a, like, God, there's too much walking. I'm like, no, that was kind of the enjoyable part of the game. Yeah, I think it taps into something accidentally about exploring, like, a fantasy world, you know? There's just, I'm always looking for more, so I can't play a lot of it. But once you get to, like, dungeons or anything, like, that's when the game kind of grinds to a halt for me. Like, that stuff isn't fun. Yeah, I get really bored when I start fighting people and stuff like that, you know? Everything sucks, and it, it there doesn't really seem to be... Like, there is a stealth option, but you can't do much with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Very limit limit to it of just, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but those games make so much fucking money. Like, it has to be working somehow. Like, I just don't know. I just can't figure out how, totally. Yeah, I have no idea. It, may, it like, breaks the bank every time they re-release it, so I, I have no fucking idea. It's, I don't understand it. Uh, yeah. Hey. But maybe we can draw a line through people's fascination with the Todd Howard era of Fallout. We can with fascists also really liking Starship Troopers and not getting it. Fallout series, right? On Amazon, which is just incredibly funny. Hysterical. What All right. What are the chances the song Sabotage by the Beastie Boys plays in one of the trailers <laughs> for... Fallout, the Amazon series. I don't, I don't know. Why, 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 uh, why that pull? Why, why that one for you? On a gate, like they're playing that song, and the guy's like, "Yeah, man, like firing nukes." <laughs> like, look at the fucking awesome shit. <laughs> like, like that. Did they, did they play that song for any of the trailers for the new Fallout's? I don't think so. They always do. The, okay, okay. You know, they always do like the fucking like classical, like the you know fifties America. Yeah, thing. I don't want to set the world on fire. Yeah. Fallout is like a weird like parody of that. Like if the fifties never stopped, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Might be what we're returning to, but uh, mm. <laughs> uh, but I was just, I'm just saying like if you are making a trailer for Amazon and you have no philosophy behind your show, mm-hmm. and it's just we're gonna blow the fucking shit up. What song do you play? <laughs> You play sabotage by the sabotage. <laughs> now here's the thing. This is this is tangentially related to Starship Troopers because we're talking about interpretation and and political readings and all that, right? The show Fallout is being developed by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, who did develop Westworld. Okay, so it's not going to be good. 
Um, I, it'll it'll probably have me for a season, and then after that, I'll bounce. Action, I assume it will be, but it's gonna be like so ponderous and fucking boring. It's not gonna have any of the satire that like is what makes it fun, you know. Sure, but here's the next problem: it stars Walton Goggins, Ella Purnell, who was just in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, and Kyle MacLachlan. Okay. So I will tune in for them for at least an episode. Yeah, they're gonna fuck that whole thing up. Oh no, that, I 100% agree. But you know, like do the Elder Scrolls show just because like you can just there's no story there that's worth telling, so you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, just just take the the imagery of that. I would like that. I'm kind of more into that idea than like a Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. When does that drop? Isn't that like in like a few days? I come uh, at the time of recording, it comes out very soon. I don't know exactly when. I didn't know House of the Dragon started and that was like a a, a success. Yeah. Successful pilot release, so. In quotes. In qu- we'll see. We'll see. I'm willing to bet the, the HBO guys are not happy that it's a it's a major drop-off in Game of Thrones numbers, but. Yeah, because they don't know how we'll numbers see. work. But. Yeah. Uh, it seems like people are happy about it. Um, I'm sure. Uh, my, my timeline has had an enthusiastic response of, hey, it's better than I expected, or it's fine. If your expectations are as low as where they were at the end of Game of Thrones, though, like, there's nowhere to go but up. Hey, fucking Miguel Sapochnik is an incredible television director. I I bet the pilot's, like, good to look at. Spared no expense on any of the Game of Thrones stuff. They just, they they just didn't have, I mean, talk about guys with no ideas in their head. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. They did before. Yeah, they kind of did, which is what's weird. I know, I know. Maybe he's just burnout or something. I don't know. Yeah, or just like... Speaking of someone who's never burnt out, though, how great is Paul Verhoeven? Paul Verhoeven's great. Okay, so why does this appeal to fascists? And why does Fallout appeal to weirdos? All right. Fallout appeals to weirdos because deep down, I think most Americans want society to collapse. I actually did see a TikTok recently that was like one of those, uh, one of these kids that was like, oh no, the zombie apocalypse is happening. And then he cuts to another version of himself and he's like, oh yeah, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life, baby, let's go. And then they're like, oh, they're running? Oh, they're running. Oh no, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Yeah. And it's like, that's a very funny joke, but it's also kind of taps into something very real where it's like these, these survivalist freaks that think they want like the world to end. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be like a fun adventure. It's, the world ending and you can't like anticipate what that's going to look like and you're definitely not going to be prepared for it as we are finding out with governments across the globe right now basically but what they think it is is it's a return to individualism you know the rugged Mm -hmm. frontier which no longer exists which also is something starship troopers taps into you know yeah but the frontier just doesn't exist anymore because we already killed everyone there but uh it's scared (laughs) It's it's afraid. <laughs> there you go. It's afraid. Uh, but uh, it to survive a disaster takes cooperation. You know. Also, mm-hmm. the people that like like jerk themselves off to like survivalist fantasies are always the people that like don't realize that if society stopped moving for five minutes, they're the first to die. You know, like yeah. At least I understand that about myself. <laughs> like I don't think. I don't think most Americans understand that it basically takes an army to keep each and every one of us alive. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, go to the store, like, 
pick a few things off the shelf. Think about how much it took just to get the food to you. <laughs> and it's like, that's just like one necessity. Yeah. It takes armies of people to provide this stuff. It's, it's the only thing keeping us afloat. And so for any of that to stop is just a disaster. And you might have fun shooting people for like five days. And then guess what? You're out of water, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now you gotta drink your own piss, you moron. <laughs> you can boil it. Yeah, yeah. Can, you can buy those. But like, how are you gonna boil it? You know how to make a fire? A lot of those survivalist websites will sell those uh, recycle piss things. That... What? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. You, I of mean, course it fucking is. What am I saying? It's something that, honestly, we all should be getting attached to our own homes. Like, water is a very important resource. Mm-hmm. The, if these things totally work, all you need... So if we put these filters on, we could reuse, like, a shit ton of water. <laughs> but everyone's like, ew, I'm drinking piss. And it's like, you're not. You're recycling it. But, you know, I don't even know if guys really think that far ahead uh, when they're thinking about their survivalist fantasies. Yeah. You know how much it sucks to take a shit in the woods? <laughs> like... <laughs> It's not good. Remember how, like, when when the pandemic, like, started and, like, toilet paper just disappeared in, like, two days? Like, (laughs) you know how, you you know what goes into making toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) We don't want that to stop, you idiot. Like, (laughs) notice that Walking Dead doesn't talk about that. Like, it would break the immersion of the fantasy. Because then you have to think about, or like, you know, like, menstrual products for women. Like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck you think's happening? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's not a sexy idea. Yeah. The apocalypse should be sexy. Yeah, that's the thing, like, well, that's that's the thing. Apocalypse, like, Fallout does kind of make the apocalypse sexy, but it's like a satire, you know? And Starship Troopers makes fascism sexy. Like, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, like... Well, here, let's talk a little bit about that then. Uh, I think we also have to talk a little bit about the cast of the movie. Because it is it isn't a blatantly attractive cast of people. You got Casper Van Dien as Johnny Rico, Dina Meyer as Dizzy Flores, Denise Richards, uh, Jake Busey, Neil Patrick Harris, Clancy Brown, Seth Gilliam, Patrick Muldoon, Michael Ironside. Um, Michael Ironside maybe is a little more of an acquired taste, but who is a great actor. Uh, Ironside? I like Ironside. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, like, conventional attraction. Because Ma- like, most of this cast is very conventionally attractive. Yeah, like Rue McClanahan. Yes. <laughs> As the blind biology teacher. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, they look like the cast of a CW show now. Yeah. Oh, which CW is... should totally pick up Starship Truth. <laughs> no! Oh my god, I would pay money to see that. Well, here, this gives me an opportunity to talk about my beloved The 100 show again. Mm-hmm. Because that show starts off as like a very traditional CWYA drama. It's playing like radioactive in the pilot episode when these teen <laughs> survivors land on, on what they think is an abandoned Earth. And then by the end of the first season, these fuck, it's like Lord of the Flies. These kids are caught up in like a political struggle on Earth. They're like, half the cast is like gone from the first episode already. And it's just, like, all these people who are, like, conventionally attractive, just, they got the mud under their fingernails. Everyone's bleeding from, like, half their orifices. And it's, like, it's so good because you think it's just going to be, like, generic YA slop. And it's, like, 
know the decisions made by generations before you will scar generations after. And I was like, where the fuck did this joke come from? Um, I know it didn't really stick the landing. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But uh, I really like that show. And it, it, uh, it has stuck with me. Now, the cast of Starship Troopers are all really hot. And also, they all end up miserable and alone by the end. Or dead. They're all friends. They're all friends. Uh, Our friendship. Uh, <laughs> scared. Uh, one could argue that. I would not. They're all friends. I mean, they get they they get radicalized into a a, a system that's just gonna keep trying to conquer everything and destroy They're the old guys lives they've been in three battles <laughs> mm. well okay we're gonna talk about that it's like it's a movie yeah so, you know uh, hey, you, you whittle it down a little when did you first see starship troopers i saw starship troopers on hbo around eighth grade ninth grade and uh I was like, oh, uh, I liked sci-fi action movies, right? Oh, maybe I saw it on sci-fi then, so I probably saw, like, an edited version of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really remember, but I remember, like, seeing... By edited, they take out all the boobs and leave a lot of the violence. <laughs> yes, yes. Because, you know, I love that, that sci-fi garbage shit, we were, which we were talking about before we started recording. Yes. Like, Frankenfish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I saw, like, the bug action, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> well, then... You know, I catch up with the movie later, and I'm like, like later in my life, I'm like, oh no, there's, there's something else going on here. I didn't have the vocabulary to explain it. Quite frankly, I probably don't now. I saw but... Starship Troopers when I was six years old. Why? Because my dad just didn't give a shit. Okay. He's just like, hey, watch this. Oh. And I 100% understood it at age six. No, that's a lie. (laughs) Actually, you want to hear something? Here's a weird arc I go on with this movie. So I see this movie at age six, right? And I Mm -hmm. take it for what it is because I'm six. I don't even know what Nazis are. So, like, I just watch the movie. But it's always kind of stuck with me, right? Yeah. Of course it would because it's violent as shit. And I kind of just watch it every now and then. I like it. I don't think much of it. All right. Cut to early YouTube days. Bunch of nerd critics online, right? Mm-hmm. Breaking down movies. I see someone does one of Starship Troopers. And they basically are like, Starship Troopers is a dumb movie. There's no characters in it. This guy's name is Johnny Rico, but he's white. Like, this is it. Like, it's... It was it was someone trying they were basically trying to like mystery science theater Starship Troopers. Oh, you fool. And I am in my early teens and I'm like, you know what? I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, that movie was kind of dumb now that I think about it. Because I don't like I, I still don't really understand that the movie's a satire. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, if its job was to be a straightforward science fiction film, it kind of failed. Right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's a take. And then I don't know. At some point, I think I I got more into RoboCop, 
And then I'm like, oh, hey, the guy who made Robocop made Starship Troopers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, that's when it all clicked. Like, it took Robocop to help me understand Starship Troopers. And then I was like, oh, so it's like a satire. Okay. But that was like a controversial take for the longest time. Do you remember? Like, you yeah. say that. Like, uh, the understanding I had was that Starship Troopers was a B-movie or just a straight-up, like, yeah. guilty pleasure. It's not. It is very intentional with what it's going for. Down to, like, the very almost, like, sterile lighting. You know, like, because Verhoeven stuff doesn't really look like this. Like, it almost looks cheap yeah. in a way. This one especially. Yeah. It, it, it looks like... Like a, a, an accessible like television show almost. It, it uh, something that would be on like around Star Trek, you know, like next yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. looking through the channels, it's like Deep Space Nine, Babylon Five, Starship Troopers. Like <laughs> it's like it could to- it's totally of a piece with those shows. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But do you remember like even when like Red Letter Media dropped the, like a video on Starship Troopers, right? Mm-hmm. You do a very like basic reading of the movie, but it is them being like, "This is a movie about like fascism, right?" Yeah. That initially dropped people like, "Why are you making this movie political?" Like <laughs> five years ago, people were like, "What are you talking about?" <sighs> like, what do you mean? What? What? And like now, I think it's more commonly accepted. Like now, it's you're the weirdo if you try to act like there's no politics in it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And that that makes me think about a lot of things. One is that we were al- allowed like to give and make political readings with art uh, on, on a much wider scale before. And I know Starship Troopers, we're going to get into it, has a, has a very specific production history, why it exists and how it exists. Um, so it's not like it was across the board. It's not like everything was as radical as this, right? But like... Like, even uh, I was talking to a writer pal, Carlos uh, Morales, and he was um, reading the old Avengers comics. And I believe it's like Avengers 123, 124, or something like that, where a bunch of uh, uh, white national terrorists try to, like, blow up Avengers Tower. They, they suicide bomb Avengers Tower to kill the Vision because they they think he's, like, an insult to, to mankind. And, like, he, he's, like... He's insulting to the white race. And it's like, that was just like a, a, a comic that was released. And if that happened like today and that was released, like there would be like fucking riots yeah. in the streets, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's not like everything was better back then. I definitely am not saying that. I would never say that. But I do feel like art was allowed more leeway to have more radical ideologies or like there, progressive beliefs there's a benefit to when you're working in like a genre or a medium that like no one's paying attention to you know mm-hmm. like like you can go about like oh marvel comics they were big but like marvel was like on the verge of bankruptcy multiple times throughout the 70s like yeah yeah like the comic book industry has never been that profitable so it was this way for people to kind of sneak shit in you know mm-hmm. marvel also had like you know they had shit like that, but they also kind of had the, like, classic, like, actually, all versions of radicalism are wrong. 
Yes, of, of course, of course. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it was all uh, hunky-dory back in the day. Fantastic Four fought a guy called the Hate Monger. Like, and he, he's just a clan man. He's a clansman. I think he wore a purple hood instead of a white hood. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Hate Monger literally just, like, got people out there being like, down with all people who are different than us. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's... But now, to turn it more positive nowadays... Well, the initial response to the red letter media thing, like you were saying, was like a lot of confusion and outright anger about it. Because like the red letter media guys, like sometimes they toe the line a little too much for my liking. Mm-hmm. But they also have like actively pissed off parts of their fan base when they talk about political influence on art. Yeah. You know, uh, and the fact that now it feels like Starship Troopers, at least for the most part, people get that it's like a, a, a horrific satire. I I would give them credit for like shining a light on it more, and I think people will be more open to accepting these sorts of ideas regarding art and media, so long as it's just talked about more often, and it feels like that's a that's the main struggle for stuff like this right now, just getting it talked about more. Yeah, there are other struggles, maybe not the main struggle, but that it's it's a struggle that we can all participate in and like help um, uh, stuff like Starship Troopers kind of overcome. Although, I guess like, it's become more accepted, but I wonder what people mean when they say it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's also, that's a good point. There's also, like, just the idea that, like, oh, it's satirical, it's a comedy. And it's like, yeah, but that's not, it's it's not a uh-huh. uh, comedy foremost. Like, it, I, I wouldn't really call it a, a comedy at all, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I, I, I think it's just... I don't know. People conflate satire and comedy, and that's that's not the case. You know, I think people consider Deadpool a satire, and it's like not. It's a, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's not a very good one, but it is a comedy. Um, all the Deadpool films. Um, good luck, Sean Levy. Thanks for that Stranger Things episode. I will never watch your movies again. But it, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe there's just no like space for it. We talked about satire before, and how like it doesn't really work, and how like. There's, the, there's just a paradox to what they talk about, you know, where, like, a certain percentage of the population is just going to take it at face value, right? Yeah. But even then, like, I think there's another thing to it, which is just that there are people who understand it's satire, but they don't know what that really means, you know? Yeah. So, oh, it's a satire. It's like the thing of, uh, I was thinking about this, this is going to be a weird poll, but uh, I was thinking about this with uh, Blazing Saddles recently. Um, because, uh, the movie Nope got me thinking about placing saddles. Um. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually. And, uh, people will be like, Blazing Saddles is a satire of racism. But I'm like, what do you mean by that? And <laughs> it's, it means, it shows how racism is ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, but you know that, like, the movie is saying more than that, right? Yeah. Like, I remember someone who was, like, giving a positive review of Blazing Saddles was like, yeah, but, like, I like this movie, but I don't really understand why it ends with them, like, fighting in the film studio, right? Yeah. It's like, like, I get, like, it's a comedy, so they gotta be silly, but, like, I don't get, it's like, no, because, like, by that point in the movie, they've literally broken the Western genre. Like, Mm. that's what the movie's about. Like, the movie is basically just being like, you know that, like, the, all these Western movies are kind of racist, like, that's the real satire at hand there. And they go so far with it to expose that, that by the end they literally are like crashing through other film sets. Because the Western genre, it turns out it's fake. It's the fake Rock Ridge that they blow up. Like, 
it's all like the whole western genre is an illusion and that's what that movie's about yeah and even the people that made that film like mel brooks talented man legendary filmmaker artist even they don't really understand like why it couldn't be made today mm-hmm. you know like they think it's like a woke culture or whatever nonsense words that don't mean anything saying that more because i i know one time he complained about political correctness he, he complained about it just the once to be fair to yeah. be fair it was just the one time um he's like and 95 <laughs> there's also that yes 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 i'm not dragging mel brooks uh i would encourage everyone to still watch blazing saddles um i i, I think they just uh it was a, it was very much a missed mark in regards for why that film couldn't be made today i think it's it's less about audience response i think it's definitely about just like producers don't want to rile up like feathers politically yeah well there's that there's that that's that's the other problem is just that like no one wants to upset anyone really which is a problem Mm -hmm. yeah and people always when they say that they they think it means like oh they don't want to upset the like marginalized people it's like those people represent like two percent of the box office. What they really don't want to upset is like the white mainstream, yeah. Which is has its own diversity to it, but you know, like that's the group they want to protect at all costs. Uh, but you know, it's it's. But I think it's the thing if people understood that more about Blazing Saddles, you would understand why you just wouldn't even want to make Blazing Saddles today. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the the it's shifted. You know. Um, or I feel like you maybe could have done Starship Troopers like recently and it would still work. Maybe, you know what? I, I, I hesitate to say yes or no to that just because it was also a bomb yeah. when it was released. So, but you know, if it yeah. with people, um, but I mean, this is a movie about the war on terror released in 1997, <laughs> four years before the September 11th attacks. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven could do something about that. I mean, I guess no. But here, look, I, I want to put out and saying this is it's a fucking one to one because there's the uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, the bug meteor attack, right? Right. Nine eleven. There's the invasion of Klandathu, which is Afghanistan, and then there is the decision we actually can't we can't control Afghanistan. <laughs> We have to op- we have to open up another front, which is the invasion of Iraq. Which the invasion of Iraq was not about weapons of mass destruction. It was about the belief that we needed to open up a new ally in the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. To go in, overthrow a government, rebuild the government with American companies, and install a democracy that was loyal to us, and that would that would help us open up a sort of wedge between the other factions in there. So, like, we don't really need to win in Afghanistan, but as long as we hold on to Iraq, we can, you know, keep bullying them, you know? Mm-hmm. And it turned out neither of those things worked. If you know what happened five minutes after this movie ends. <laughs> um, I did not comprehend that whatsoever prior to you just saying that, but it, I think that tracks. Of course it does. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's pretty upsetting. Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Let's talk about him in this movie first. Who also 
kind of fits um, like the bill for like uh, uh, what we talked about in the Matrix Resurrection episode, oh. where it's like you know he's the new power elite. You know, they like the, like the the antagonistic force aren't like brawly uh, uh, men in like suits. Now it's it's more of like a an approachable. Uh, everyday looking, like sweet kind of charming guy, you know. There's, that's how you hide like the psychopath. What is Neil Patrick Harris famous for at this moment when this movie comes out? Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser. What is Doogie Hauser about? The gifted child, right? The gifted surgeon. He's a surgeon, but also has to balance the troubles of being a teenager. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. What's this movie saying? About that in particular? Doogie Hauser is a Nazi, <laughs> is what it's saying. Because here's the thing. Why is something like Doogie Hauser popular? People think it's cute. People think it's cute, but what does it represent? That some kids are just better than others. Some kids are better than others, and our worship of intelligence that intelligence is in an inherent good, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, it's built into our capitalist system that if you're just smart enough, you'll be able to figure it out, right? That right. capitalism will reward the smartest people. It doesn't believe in ethics. It's just intelligence. That ethics will inherently come from intelligence. It's a cornerstone of what we believe in this country. Starship Troopers, the novel is reflective of that idea that a spacefaring race is an inherently good race, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a huge part of the golden age of science fiction, that this sort of progress to space travel is an inherent good, right? I mean, right. But it's it's all Nazis all the way down. Because who was one of the first rocket scientists? I don't know these names. Irvon Braun, man. Okay, I'm sorry. What he? What did he do? V two rocket. What did the V two rocket do? <laughs> fucking bomb the shit out of London. What was that guy? He was a Nazi. What happened to him? We got. We used him to. We got him. <laughs> yeah, that I do know. So the names. I mean, we're talking about, like I said, this would fit in with, in between something like Star Trek. Star Trek is a part of that dream of, like, eventually we'll get to space, and then everything's going to work out, right? Mm-hmm. We're no longer constrained by Earth, and it's a, it's a socialist utopia, and it's like, no, <laughs> it doesn't inherently solve society's problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you watch this movie, it's like, it's it's... In a lot of ways, this this world is more progressive than the world we currently live in. <laughs> I mean, there's like co-ed showers and shit. Like, gender doesn't really seem to be an issue in this future. When we see the football game, it's important that it's a football game, by the way. The most fascist of all the sports. Um, baseball is the most democratic sport, but football is the fascist one, um, which is why. Okay, do you have do you have a, a stats for that? No, but this is why this is why football is so popular in the United States and baseball isn't because we don't really like democracy in this country. We pretend to, but we don't. Um, I'm telling this to everyone I know in real life, by the way. The, the, that baseball is the democratic sport. And yeah, and, and football is the fascist sport. Just play the speech from uh, the Untouchables. <laughs> 
Uh, I was just going to plug clips from the last Boy Scout. I remember when he said, <laughs> I get nowhere unless the team wins. <laughs> Man stands at a plate. I'm going out there for myself, but I get nowhere unless the team wins. Also, Robert De Niro in The Untouchables is doing a Donald Trump impression. <laughs> he, he talks he's like bootlegging. What is bootlegging? <laughs> like, it's 100% Donald Trump. I don't know if that's because Donald Trump was well known enough at that time or if Donald Trump just sounds like a gangster. But <laughs> it, it could be both. It was 87 when that movie came out, you know? Fucking Robert De Niro's like, Oscar Wallace just died. It's the first I'm hearing about it. <laughs> That's very sad news. Very sad. People like alcohol. Many people are saying this. Many, many people are saying this. <laughs> You're just telling me this just now, and wow. <laughs> um, hey. Also, what do we worship more than anything in this country? Guns. No. Really? One thing we worship more than guns. The Bible? No. No, we don't, got me. we don't worship the Bible at all. Well, they, they say they do, but it doesn't... It's just fucking, fucking window dressing for their bullshit. Veterans. We worship veterans more than anything in this country. I think we worship the idea of them. Yeah, that's the same thing. It's... Okay. Actually help them. I want to make... Yeah. Just worship them. We worship Jesus, too. No one got him off that fucking cross. <laughs> Apostles stopped by for like seven days. We're like, ah, looks rough, buddy. And it did nothing. <laughs> fucking, what was the one guy was like, like, hey, do you know who that guy is? That Jesus. He's like, I don't know him. He's like, are you sure? I was like, I don't know him. It's like, are you really sure? He's like, I said I don't know him. And then he runs up. He denied Jesus three times. <laughs> that shit happens. You know? Yeah. Simon of Cyrene, he carried the cross. For Jesus for like two seconds in the Bible. Like, well, here, you're talking about the veteran stuff. This is my favorite fucking... You know what? The movie is kind of funny. Because there's that line where he's like, mobile infantry made me the man I am today. And then it's like an extreme close-up on like the robotic limbs and physical scars. Yes. It's like, Which, so horrible. I always try to wonder. I've just been super... Like, I've been anti-war my whole life. I don't really know where that comes from. Like, cause like, like my dad wasn't like a war hawk, but also like wasn't a peacenik, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just, part of me wonders like, did Starship Troopers like subliminally get in my head at like age six of that shot specifically? Hey, maybe. Of like, oh, all these guys are missing limbs. <laughs> like, <laughs> war isn't good. <laughs> but. I, I might've. Unless the war is totally justified by an attack on one of our major cities. The only good bug is a dead bug. <laughs> First sorrow, then anger. <laughs> this movie is very funny. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was... was uh... Bugs, frankly, I find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive. <laughs> that guy's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know what's a cornerstone of fucking 9-11 conspiracy theories? lizard people well there's that but people being like are you telling me a bunch of guys in caves just came up with this oh yeah insanely racist but it's also yeah you, they think these other people they think they're just dumb like mm-hmm. it's just like wow like so that's what that brain guy is saying 
Yeah. Like a bug that thinks is offensive to him. Because <laughs> bugs aren't people. They're bugs. That's why it's okay <laughs> to shoot them a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, um, before we get more on that. Veterans rose up and overthrew democracy. Because it brought us to the brink of collapse. But democracy and the social sciences are the two specific things. And that citizenship is now a, a, a reward through federal service. Uh, also, you, one of the things I love about it, I love this is something that, uh, it's one of these things where this movie's so brilliant, I don't know if, like, how much of it's intentional or just, like, they hit the, like, just the entire vibe of the movie makes it work. There's always that story of, like, we always figure out how to win the last war by the time we fight the next war, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we figured out how to win World War II just in time for Vietnam, right? And we don't know how to win Vietnam. We figured out how to win Vietnam just in time for the War on Terror, which is... <laughs> designed not to be one yeah you go to boot camp and it's like knife throwing <laughs> and like they're like obstacle courses there's laser tag uh there's the target shooting which is another like subtle fucked up thing it's like we live under a world government but the, why are the targets other human beings it's like what is that telling you mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well do you know why paul verhoeven did starship troopers i believe the story is paul verhoeven really wanted to do a movie that was about teenagers like a coming of age story about teenagers and the twist was going to be that it was set during nazi germany (laughs) that is one of the the main things yeah nazis by the end and they're like no studio will let you do this yeah he was like okay i'll do starship troopers uh, and Starship Troopers was obviously in development before he was signed on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, TriStar was undergoing like a, an executive shift. Um, it has to be one of those books that was just in development forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like Total Recall. He did this kind of Verhoeven's thing right now, you know. Um, so TriStar is like replacing stuff constantly, or re- replacing people constantly. Um, so Verhoeven was basically like granted like free production reign just because. The people who were coming in were like, okay, you you know what you're doing. Just do your thing. Like, no one really had eyes on what was being developed, um, at least too notably. I'm sure there were some projects that were, like, they were keyed in on more and more. But uh, Verhoeven got to, to, you know, have fun designing the creatures. I think he even says, like, you know, I like, like science fiction movies. I mean, the Star Wars is delightful, you know? And, like, he's, uh, he's, like, he's openly talked about not really finding it that fascinating, but also, like, He's done everything he wanted to with the genre. Mm-hmm. But also he wanted to work with uh, Phil Tippett, who, you know, he worked with on RoboCop. Yes. Um, also, didn't he, like, just, didn't, like, him and Phil Tippett just kind of make a, like, short video of one of the bugs and, like, showed it to executives? I think so. I think, yeah, that's what got them, like... Like, that scene of like, the cow, uh, I think the scene of the cow getting killed is, like, that was, like... The original thing they showed the executives was like that scene, like a ver- yeah, and that kind of gave them um, like a green light to to continue their their progress together, because like it it wasn't like in production until like ninety five I think like officially ninety six maybe, like it took them like years to get it off the ground. Like they were working on it, but they weren't like working on it. <laughs> Which is just, like, absurd. I also think it was one of those things where, like, he fell back on it really quick after the failure of Showgirls. 
Like, yeah. I'm all in on this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, his, uh, importantly, the Arnold Schwarzenegger starring movie about the Crusades didn't get made. Yes. Uh, uh, which... Some of those ideas carried over into uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, I think that's... I think I have that script. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. Um, that, that one's kind of a bummer. I would have really liked to have seen that. Yeah, there's a lot of those, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, hey, Paul Verhoeven's still kicking. You never know he could pivot back one of these days. I know he really wants to do that that Jesus movie. Oh. That, um, I mean, I think that's kind of like what these older directors are doing, because, like, you know, Michael Mann just released Heat 2, co-written by Meg Gardner. I'm halfway through it. It's fantastic. Um, it's totally designed to be a movie. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven's Jesus book is not, but you can see he's, like, what he's interested in, like, to tell the story yeah, Michael Mann- about the historical Jesus. Michael Mann is a genius. He starts his own book imprint that's basically just him being like, studios only give a fuck about IP. Like, I'm going to make my own IP farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's fucking 79. How old is Paul Verhoeven? Paul Verhoeven's pretty old. Um, or at least he looks old. He's 84. Fuck, dude. Fucking let him die making the Jesus movie. God damn. That, that's fucking perfect. There, there's a, I was like devouring Paul Verhoeven interviews during the pandemic, like the, the early, like first year at least. Yeah. And that dude is just like a treasure trove of knowledge. He's, he's like also a legit genius. I, I think people kind of underestimate Verhoeven as like an artist, you know, like he, he has like a master's in like medieval history and art. Yeah. Like he, he's, he should never stop living. <laughs> Although maybe let's not let's not um, uh, worry about his uh, he does, relationships he outside does of film. Cross as a goof though is the thing. Like he gives interviews. No, no, he's just European. Yeah, but all Europeans are goofs. They're either, maybe not the Nazis. Either goofs, fascists, or sex weirdos. Those are the three types of Europeans. <laughs> He's probably two of those and not the fascist one. Exactly, but he understands it because he was around it his whole life. Yeah. Thank God Americans have no idea what fascism is like. Um. <laughs> What's a police state? Hey, anyway. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this, is, this is a fucked up movie. It is a very fucked up movie. Very good movie, though. Um... Although it's, it's incredibly funny that it's a Touchstone Pictures production. Yes. Because that's uh, this is technically a Disney film. Do they own it, though? I feel like I, they don't actually own it. I don't think so. Also, if someone has the rights to Starship Troopers, because like, they're always talking about doing another one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Idiot was like, I want to do Starship Troopers again, but like keep it closer to the novel. Which is like, okay, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do that please there's also and, uh, four spinoff movies and a cartoon oh yeah 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 do you remember the so cartoon? so there was a, a talk at um uh, one of the New York places uh Paul Verhoeven and Casper Van Dien who plays Donnie Rico were interviewed for uh or there was there was like a and a discussion for them and uh Casper Van Dien was saying like you know like all the 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 sequels, whether or not he was even a part of them, because uh, I think he's in one or two of them. The third one, I believe. That's fucking crazy. Um, and he was saying, like, you know, they missed the, the Verhoeven touch or whatever. And Verhoeven's, like, for all of, like, his fucking wackiness, he seems very respectable towards other artists. Mm-hmm. Like, 
he was like, well, you know, they're working with different budgets, and, you know, I'm sure that their heart was in the right places, and yada, 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 yada. Like, he was really going out of his way to, like, praise stuff he hadn't seen just to make sure he didn't insult anyone. And I'm like, that's, that was like... We gotta remember that, have to do that. We get lately. We get, we're getting, like, humbled Verhoeven, you know? like Yeah, yeah. Like, 80s and, like, mid-90s Verhoeven is, like, just out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so. He looks like he's on cocaine constantly. I know. Was he a cocaine guy, though? I, if you're in, alive in the 80s, I'm sure you did cocaine. Yeah. Like, I just... There, there's no... I'm just saying shit, but also I think everyone understands that I'm correct. Like, I know for a fact What's-His-Fuck who wrote Showgirls uh, was definitely on cocaine. Oh, yeah. But Joe Westerhouse. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if Paul Verhoeven was. Um, I feel like, like his movies would like just be incomprehensible if he was on cocaine. <laughs> like... Cocaine does not really lead to rational decision-making. I was going to make a bad joke, but I'm not. We're going to move on. It, makes, it gives you a misplaced sense of confidence. Oh, shit. Anyone hear that? <laughs> no, I'm sure I can get to it later. All right. It's the Amazon delivery guy. <laughs> I didn't order anything, so I'm actually surprised. Diego Crespo. Oh, <laughs> the fucking Terminator. God, I want them to team up again before they both retire or can't work anymore. Someone's got to do King Conan. Paul Coven directing Arnold again with a, mil- a script by John Milius. Like, just do it. Why not? Is John Milius alive? Yes, John Milius alive. He had a stroke. Like, he can't talk. Oh. Still writes. Okay. And by, by he can't talk like he just he talks very slowly. Mm-hmm. But he was writing King Conan last I heard, but it's also where like no studio wants to do it right now. Because um, like fucking Arnold, sucks. Arnold kind of crashed and burned with his comeback, as covered in our sabotage episode. Yeah, which is uh, just tragic. Tragic. Um. Hmm. You know what else is tragic? Uh, Diz dying. Oh, yeah. Sets me to this fucking day. <laughs> well, because, like, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's ostensibly the romantic lead. Yeah. Right? And I, you but... know what I love about this movie, though, is this is something that, like, I think liberals who write movies get wrong. Mm-hmm. Like... You think if if this was a worse movie, you get to the scene where Diz dies and Johnny Rico's like, "What was it all for?" You know, like suddenly he has a crisis of consciousness, right? And then like mm-hmm. it's like, "Wait a minute, we're a fascist police state." <laughs> like that's where like the dumb version of this movie would go, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, Johnny Rico just doubles down on like, "We're gonna fucking kill every goddamn bug on the fucking planet," like. It's like he, he he just gets worse, which I think is a more realistic reaction. But sh- yeah, sure. But I think there's there's a not Starship Troopers, but I think there's another like story world where you can actually explore someone like distancing themselves from like the ideology that they've like you can given themselves over to the way the average movie portrays it. Sure, sure, yeah. American History X, it's like, oh, he made one black friend in prison and now he's not racist anymore? Like, that's not... Yeah, hacky. yeah, like, that's very hacky bullshit, you know? I think there's just so many of these where it's like, why don't you, why don't you, uh, 
why are you anti-war? It's like, because I was in Nam and my friends died, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the guys came back and didn't feel that way, honestly. They felt abandoned by our country because they totally were. But a lot of them were like, like, a lot of them didn't come back with like, actually what we did was wrong. I'm sure some of them did, but a lot of them didn't. Mm-hmm. Most wars. I mean, World War One, which is a war where like no one won. <laughs> Most of the soldiers came back and were like, "Yeah, I did my duty." So much so that a certain fucking guy, after being a failed painter, could be like, "We have to get back to our glory times, like World War One, the war we resoundly lost and got like lost like most of our youth." <laughs> like, ugh. I mean, that's something Barry actually did really well. Um, remember Barry does that scene where he's like, where they're like, act out the first time you killed someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the class, like, turns it into this big dramatic moment. And, like, for Barry, it's, like, the first time he's proud of himself. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, you did it. And, like, everyone's like, congratulations. And he's like, yeah, I did do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, the brilliant thing about that show is, like, he's lying to himself that he can get better. Mm-hmm. But the show also goes to show that, like, no, people can change. It's just hard, and you got to work at it. But you also have to, like, want to, mm-hmm. like, be a better person. And there's only, like, one person on the show who's done that. And, it, of course, is Henry Winkler. Because <laughs> he's Henry Winkler, goddammit. Yeah. Um, something else I want to mention about the, the, the placement of certain things in Starship Troopers is, you know, uh, Buenos Aires. We're talking about, like, the Nazism stuff. You know, a lot of Nazis fled to South America. Like, I don't know how you miss that this movie's, like, very explicitly political about that. Some people maybe don't know that about the Nazis these days. Like, that was something maybe in the 90s you should have known. Mm-hmm. I think no one really under like I because like, we teach like oh the Nazis and then Hitler killed himself like that's where the history book ends you know mm-hmm. no one talks about Rudolf Hess remember Rudolf Hess no Rudolf Hess the last man in prison uh, Rudolf Hess was one of like the top guys in Nazi Germany he goes over early into the war to like try to sign a peace treaty with uh, Scotland, I believe, and just immediately gets captured <laughs> in prison for most of the war. Uh, spoilers, the Nazis lose World War II. Um, he's found guilty of war crimes because he was one, a member of the Nazi party, but like nothing severe enough to get death. So the Nazis that got life but not death, they built a prison for him, right? Mm-hmm a prison that they could all just stay in themselves uh he he went there he's the last guy there for i think the last 20 years i think everyone else died and then he lived in that prison by himself with like the guards for 20 years he was the last man in prison um and was all the time uh petitioning that he should be released um which his supporters rallied around although supporters tried to cover up the fact that he was still an avowed Nazi and anti-Semite to his dying day. Uh, but no, he just, he was the last man in prison. Um, but don't worry, the story, the story has a happy ending. Um, he hung himself at age 93. Awesome. So. Oh, uh, uh, I actually know this fact. And then they destroy the remnants of the prison, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, yeah, because they didn't want, not, uh, like, 
Yeah, new Nazis to fucking like rally around it or anything yeah, like but, that. Uh, it's like the Fuhrer bunker got like destroyed, you know? Yeah, fuck them. I think there's a plaque there now, but like it's not there, there. So Yeah. Also, it's like a plaque to be like, yeah, this fucker died. Yeah, that's what it says, actually. Yeah, this fucker died. That's what we should treat these people as. They shouldn't have any like respectable quotes. You should let like fucking just left-wing nuts just write that shit be like this fucker died here we should really teach kids like the dates of battles in world war ii we just got to teach them the date of like every prominent nazi death and how they died Mm -hmm. and it's like oh he blew himself up in the fuhrer bunker hitler bit cyanide and then shot himself just to be safe because he was a real coward um that one guy uh, poisoned his whole family shout out to fucking i think that was goebbels that fucker um but but I believe it was Joseph Mengele was one of the guys that fled to South America, and like mm. died there, like he they never caught him. Um, so that happened, unfortunately. Uh, you ever see the Boys from Brazil? No, but I know of that. <laughs> a wild movie of just it's uh, what's his name plays Mengele too, Gregory Peck. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Gregory Peck plays Mengele. So you know the plot, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's the Nazis that go down to uh, but they're like they're Hitler clones, right? Well, yeah, well, it's yeah, he's basically uh, he's found Mengele has like calculated like here are all the people that will like have the exact same genetic traits as Adolf Hitler mm-hmm. <laughs> gave them like clones and stuff like that, and then it's like okay, Hitler lost his father at a certain age. So now we have to. So all our surviving clones, we have to go and kill their fathers. So that they, fucking psychotic movie. <laughs> trauma in their lives, and then Lawrence Olivier is like this uh, Nazi hunter that's after them. Oh, that's fucking awesome. And yeah, it's a wild movie. <laughs> we should honestly have more movies about hunting Nazis. There really should be. I think one thing that's wild about it though is that uh, uh. That movie comes out and, like, Mangala dies the next year and his body isn't found for another two years. <laughs> so when, when The Boys from Brazil came out, he was still alive. So that so what I'm saying is the plot of The Boys from Brazil is entirely plausible. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Ira Levin, who wrote uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Stepford Wives. Oh, so it's a banger. And The Stepford Wives. Okay, that sounds really fucking good now. It's a wild movie. It's pretty fun. Okay. It's it's just. Like, I mean, we're we're describing like horrendous shit. We're like, yeah, it sounds really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's a he's the villain of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clearly it understands that it's bad. It's still fucked up though. When Mar-a-Lago got raided, um, and they're after the nuclear codes that Trump probably gave to the Saudis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, we don't know for sure. Who will ever know? Uh, but uh, I wanted to look up that scene from Casino. Where uh, they go, remember they go in that one guy's house and they yeah. books. Uh-huh. My mother's books, and then he has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> uh, you, you know what's playing on the TV in that scene? What? Fucking boys from Brazil. <laughs> oh my god. So Scorsese, went, fucking. Scorsese, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> he has simply not missed. <laughs> um, but hey. So, like, I, I guess that's a long way of me saying I can understand people not understanding the Buenos Aires reference <laughs> I, it, uh, today. 
97. But hopefully you should now. Hopefully now you do. Listen to the Waffle Press, now you get it. Yeah. You're welcome. But the like the more obvious version of the satire is that yeah, they're in South America and they're all like white Aryans. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like that is the more obvious thing going on. <laughs> Wait, I could imagine someone being like, what? This, this is weird. How come they're all white? And it's like, just take a second to think about it. This is what's fun. You can read it two ways. Because one, it could be like, okay, whatever world government this is, is like also like an Aryan nation type thing, right? Mm-hmm. That way. Or, because this movie is a propaganda film, right? Mm-hmm. You can read it as this is an in-universe propaganda film. And then, of course, the in-universe propaganda film would recast all the South Americans with white actors. <laughs> it works both ways. That's why it's brilliant. Yeah, Verhoeven's just on another fucking level. And I, I kind of wish we, we found someone else to, to kind of pick up the mantle in a way. Not to do the same things as him, but to like be allowed to do like a similar satirical will turn up i think the problem is that now like if the problem is i think if you win it going like i'm gonna do the paul verhoeven thing you're just gonna fail you know like yeah yeah yeah. and i, I want to also reiterate again this isn't like uh it was better when he was doing it like it, i mean it is but it's like i know people don't get the same opportunities they used to and also i just don't want someone else trying to do what he was doing just uh similar veins similar similar strokes but you know with their own voice. All right. Do you want to talk about Would You Like to Know More? Early, uh, no. <laughs> early internet algorithm. 97. This predicts what Google's going to do to this fucking world. <laughs> it's the illusion of choice. You think it's like, oh, would you like to know more about this topic? And it, it directs you to very specific things. It's a it's controlled information. Mm-hmm. It's the illusion of choice, man. It's all there. It's all fucking there. I mean, think about it. I watched a video on infrastructure on YouTube like three days ago, right? And my YouTube recommendations now are just like, weird like libertarian videos about infrastructure now right yeah and it's an mm-hmm. illusion of like oh you want to know more about infrastructure right here are other videos about infrastructure and i was like the video i watched was from someone who like has studied this shit now you just show me some random guy sitting behind a computer rambling incoherently and i bet she's also talking about how the world is flat like it's this it's the algorithm presents this sort of illusion of like oh you're just getting more information don't worry it's all the same and it's like not. Is this TikTok in a nutshell? A little bit. So. Yeah. Just saying, this is 1997. Yeah, this is why he hasn't done another science fiction film. He doesn't have anything else left to say. He he's got it all right here. So. Although I still think he would have made a fucking killer Iron Man too. Was he in talks for that? <laughs> No, no, I just think his, his approach to, like, the genre stuff especially really fits for what that movie tries to do and doesn't quite get there. He would have handled the Iron Man thing better than anyone, but it also would have destroyed the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's why it should have happened. Problem. <laughs> like, yeah. 
because he understands that Tony Stark is a fascist industrialist. Yeah, yeah. So he like that movie ends with him still being like like rewarded by the government for saving the day, right? I think he would have captured the tone of that as appropriately as as the as, like, humanly possible of this film is. Yeah, and uh, appropriately, I mean bleakly, <laughs> you know. It's like they'll keep fighting and they'll win, which is like the most dire ending to a movie I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty fucking rough. Yeah. It's... This is a, a major downer, frankly. Yeah. But you know what? It's enjoyable to watch. So, like, it doesn't really kill me in a way that, like, I think a more direct movie would. Mm-hmm. Which I think helps with, like, allowing me to, like, digest it and talk about it a little better. Yeah. Whereas if a movie, if I just watched a movie kind of about Nazism, it wouldn't work. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think yeah. Verhoeven's movie set in Nazi Germany would have worked as well as Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Although he should have directed Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. We would have ended with Jojo turning the fucking girl in, and then he becomes a hero to all his friends. Which is what probably happened more often. What's Taika up to? Um, probably a shit ton of cocaine. <laughs> I thought he would be in hiding. Um... He seems to have no shame. Yeah, maybe. Um, he's got a Star Wars to work on. That's not happening. <laughs> Someone out there stop it before. It's, don't worry. It's not. There's no way. You never, there's no way that's happening. No. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. I guess there's always a chance. Mikey is still supposed to be producing a Star Wars movie. It's like, what does that even mean? That, that one, I, I, I can kind of see happening, though. But, but what I'm saying is, like, what's going on behind the scenes there where it's, like, is are the heads of Disney, like, putting those fucking screws to Kathleen Kennedy, I guess is what I'm saying. Hmm. Being like, if you fire another fucking director, you're going to have a fucking problem. Yeah. Maybe. And we're going to bring Kevin Feige over just to fucking keep a watch on you because we trust that guy. Hmm. And we don't know what kept... We, I really don't know where... Kevin Feige's allegiance is lie. <laughs> I don't know either. But he gets movies made. Um, Rico's Roughnecks. <laughs> That's the most depressing scene in the movie. You think so? Yes. Alright. Scene where he's like, where it, they, uh, Ironsides is dead, Diz is dead. Mm-hmm. Back to the planet. They, the, the new army is literally children. <laughs> and he just gives Ironside's speech where he's like, everyone fights, no one quits. If you, do, if you don't follow orders, I'll shoot you myself. You get that? We get you, sir. Roughnecks. Rico's Roughnecks. And then you're like, God damn, Ironside, like the same thing happened with Ironside, you know? Mm-hmm. Johnny Rico once. And like, he had a guy in charge who said the exact same things and then probably died horribly <laughs> and he just copied it it's like it's just the vicious cycle which is just like it's a fucking nightmare is what it is yeah that's that's all it is it's just endless fucking misery but it's sold as like aspirational yeah that's it I mean, it's what all this fucking is. is in general. I mean, that's why they fucking try to recruit teenagers from, like, poor schools. 
You know? Yeah. It's like, hey, we'll pay for the college education and we'll give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at where these things are set up. It's a lot of low income areas. They're not around private schools. It's it shouldn't it's even gross. be on campus, you fucks. I know, I know. Fucking fascists. Yeah, literal fascists. That's not even like a joke this time. I actually know. Although I don't think you joke about fascism very much. I have an acquaintance who, like, I was like, I kind of know them, but then, like, uh, like a year into our like friendship, like internet friendship, I suddenly realized, oh, they're in the military, and like they joined the military, and I've slowly been watching them, kind of realize they might have made a mistake. <laughs> it hasn't been fun to watch, frankly. Uh-huh. Um, but it was something where it's like, oh, they recruited me because I came from a broken home. And I'm like, yep, they did. I mean, <laughs> they do. <laughs> um, but, you know, you make friends. You do make friends in the military. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you finally have that support structure you didn't have at home. Guess what? It's not going to be there when you get out either. So that's why the only true glory is dying in battle. Great world we live in. Jesus. That other that shower scene where, like, everyone's naked so people only think about that part. But, like, that's another, like, insanely depressing moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's talking about why they joined up. And the one guy's like, I got into Harvard but couldn't afford it. And it's going to cost an arm and a leg. And, like, he literally gets his leg torn off later. <laughs> um, the one girl's like, I want to go into politics. Well, she shoots someone in the head. Um, other girl's like, I wanted to have babies. She gets dragged to her death screaming. Like... And the only people that are essentially rewarded are, uh, you know, uh, fucking Jake Busey. Because he's like, I'm here to go career. Like, everyone else is, like, distracted. It's almost. Like, again, like, if you want to talk about like, the le- other levels of this film, it's like, the only people that are really rewarded are the people who are totally committed to the military. Yeah. Like, Jake Busey just wants to serve. To the point where when he's offered a promotion, he's like, nah, man, I don't want a promotion. I'm just here to fight, man. Or it's even in the Clancy Brown thing where, like, he literally got himself bumped back to private just so he could go fight with mm-hmm. pure insanity. <laughs> <laughs> and he becomes the hero. So, Zim got the bug, man. Uh, what a fucked up movie. It's so insane. It's so good, though. It's also it's also the thing of, like, Diz is kind of the one punished for, like, having sex, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that's like Paul Verhoeven like having weird hangups. I'm saying that's what the movie is like trying to play with. Yeah, I don't. I don't think those are the kind of hangups Paul Verhoeven has about sex. I. This is the guy that made Showgirls. Uh, and Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct, Morgan. Showgirls has like a shit ton of sex and nudity, but it's like disgusting. Yeah, it's also horrendously dark. Yeah, yeah maybe that was the wrong one, but like, uh, yeah, and Basic Instinct with an insanely bleak ending. Yes. It's like not portrayed as like being bleak like like it's like you could almost mistake it for being triumphant you know mm-hmm. where it's like oh she finally got out of vegas and where is she going hollywood <laughs> it's like oh no yeah jesus uh, yeah uh that yeah, we could have done showgirls too we, we could we could probably do showgirls for uh um failed awards contender yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, then he does Hollow Man after this, and then he like uh, fully retreats from <laughs> uh, American filmmaking. He's kind of too good for us right now. Well, Hollow Man is kind of feels like him giving up a little bit. 
mean, yeah, he's openly stated that we, we will not do Hollow Man. I don't think there's enough to talk about there. The, his big take with Hollow Man is that if a guy was invisible, he'd probably be a rapist. Like that's the big take of Hollow Man. Here, here's here's the Hollow Man retrospective. I think it's got a great score. I think some of the thrills are like the, the delivers the violence delivers some of like the, the the thriller set pieces are very well done bacon gives a great performance bacon's terrific um he really understands that scientific progress in the late 20th early 21st century is mainly tied to the military mm-hmm. um but yeah other than that the movie uh doesn't work yeah, it's, it's 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 not quite there. Uh, but again, the Jerry Goldsmith score is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also just really fucking gross, and that, yeah, it's, it's not, not it's not good. Uh, Paul Verhoeven would go on to say that he his heart really wasn't in that one. He's not very proud of it. Uh, it didn't really work. He didn't he didn't bring enough of himself to it, and uh, it's it, it, I think it's the one that he's like you can least proud of when you watch it. Yeah. Um. When I started this episode, I thought we'd talk about like every single scene in this movie, but I think we, I think we got it. I think, I think we hit every beat we really needed to hit. Like, yeah, the max- I don't, I, I didn't know how we were gonna talk about it, but we kind of just went into it. I'm like, I'm like okay with it. Is there anything else you like desperately want to bring up about it? Um, I like the, uh, a murderer was caught this morning and tried today, executed tonight, <laughs> like. <laughs> I do like that. That's a really funny moment. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, just giving kids like semi-automatic like submachine guns, like <laughs> full metal jackets, which is probably more accurate to American gun culture than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another thing when I talk about that nerd that like tried to like mystery science theater, uh, fucking Starship Troopers. He was like, "Yeah, give the kid a gun, idiot!" Like. Like really, oh. yeah, really not getting it. Um, and I'm trying to, trying to think. Um, Rico comes from a rich home. That kid should have just fucking stayed home. But <laughs> his family are like artsy types. Uh, so this is a movie like fucking coming down on artists in a way. Mm-hmm. I'd rather take ten lashes in public square. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot we could say, but the movie all says it better, you know? Yeah. I, I just tried to make the deliberate Nazi and 9-11 connections. Mm-hmm. Football. <laughs> oh, and I'll say the the, the, the jump ball scene uh, was filmed at the Long Beach Pyramid Arena. So, you know, shout out, uh, go beach. I like how they're like doing flips, like. Well, you know they they gotta look cool so you can get like sucked into it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also like it's a, it's it's showing like you know like how people like today are like taller and more muscular than they were like like three hundred years ago and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the shit we put in our food has like changed how we are genetically, mm-hmm. and it's like this is another example of that of just like the scene like our sports arenas like show off physical improvement and how it's changed in human beings and it's like all just in service of this military apparatus yeah like everything is just that that's all it is i think that's the thing about verhoven's like 
like genre stuff and uh, maybe more than just the genre stuff but like specifically this and including uh your point about hollow man he understands that the military hangs over western civilization in a way it kind of doesn't in others maybe that's kind of a broad statement to make but i i think he recognizes it as a like a like a genuinely like well, oppressive force a that this is how empires build themselves and b america is an empire mm-hmm we tried to pretend we weren't for the longest time, but it turns out we are. Like, that's really what he was like. That was the thing where I was like, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, how did he get the Iraq war right, like, before it even happened? And I'm like, oh, yeah, but, like, every empire invades Afghanistan. And, like, they all fail. Like, this isn't the first time it's happened, you know? Mm-hmm. He just understands that America is, like, every empire that came before it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. Um, but hey, it's a fra- Starship Troopers raid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starship Troopers, five stars. I don't even need to ask if you're gonna recommend it because I know you are. I've seen this movie so many times too. Like this is one I watch fairly regularly. I can't. <laughs> My sister loves it. Oh, that's great. And not in a, like... And also, here's where some... She doesn't like RoboCop, which is weird. Like, she's just like, I've never been able to get in the RoboCop. But she loves Starship Troopers, and she she's not someone who loves it and, like, doesn't get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I just like it because it's an action movie. Like, she, like, totally gets that it's a movie about fascism. Like, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, she loves it for some reason. So she has rewatched it a lot, which has led to me rewatching it a lot. Interesting. All right. So we're not going to talk about Total Recall because it's not a failed blockbuster, or RoboCop because it's obviously not a failed blockbuster either. RoboCop, Total Recall, Starship Troopers. What's your pick? Hey, I looked at my phone for half a second, and uh, Mr. Peanut just tweeted, As a reincarnated 106-year-old peanut, I'm surprised nobody has asked how I keep my shell so youthful after all these years. Would you like to know more? <laughs> no. Okay, so Starship Troopers. Um, where do I... I don't know how I rank the Verhoeven stuff. Because, um, like, I think Robocop maybe is, like, the best one, you know? Mm-hmm. But I've watched Starship Troopers more. I think I'm a Total Recall guy. Total Recall, I totally get that, too. That's probably yeah. the movie of the three. I think it's the pacing that gets me. The pacing in that thing is just fucking, like, unbelievable. Um, and then maybe RoboCop. Like, it's it's all fucking subjective. These are, like, five, three five-star movies. But I think um, Starship Troopers might be number one just because I don't think there's another film like it, at least as of right now. Yeah. There have been a few RoboCop imitators. I think there's a few Total Recall imitators. They could, yeah, they both literally have remakes. <laughs> they both literally have remakes, but like you know, the Matrix is like definitely a take on Total Recall. You know, mm-hmm. like you can see the pieces there, right? Yeah, but I think Starship Troopers like stands apart. You know, Total Recall. Total Recall. <laughs> we did it. We we done did it. It's a great movie. Great movie, even though it makes you feel miserable by the end. Yep. Um, All right, Matt, we only have two 
failed blockbusters left. Yes. All right, pick the good one for last and then pick the bad one for next. I, I, I don't know because I haven't seen these. Okay. Oh, I didn't even remember what we picked. Um. Let's let fate decide. Okay. All right, let me do the little number generator. There's only two choices, but still. Mm-hmm. All right, next week we're talking about Zardoz. Zardoz, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's the and other one, man? Should I just say the the last one? Like, okay, and the season finale of the failed blockbuster season two is Day of the Dolphin. Day of the Dolphin! <laughs> yeah, which I have not seen, but has maybe... Day of the Dolphin. Yeah, but it's also like the greatest film poster I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> Why? What? What? I just, I was, I was like, okay, Diego must have a take on Day of the Dolphin. <laughs> nope. All right. Um... We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but we'll talk about Zardoz first. Yeah. So next week, Zardoz, come prepared with all your Sean Connery hot takes. Just end this episode with the Zardoz head. Okay. The gun is good. Because <laughs> <laughs> that honestly ties right into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, but until I close out with that little bit, Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And fucking helicopters, all this fucking noise this episode. But and you can find me. I'm going to be streaming soon, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo on Twitter. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. And get early access to maybe the next, the last two episodes. And then after that. I don't know. I think our Gods of Egypt episode was actually longer than this one, but we barely talked about Gods of Egypt. Yeah, well, there's nothing to talk about with Gods of Egypt. There's, it's like you could finish that in like a paragraph. And be like, yeah, this doesn't work. It's been done better. I like that it's sincere. Doesn't work. Sincere. People look big. The end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goodbye, Jonathan Demi. Bye, Jonathan Demi. Goodbye. 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 Jonathan. Zardoz speaks to you, his chosen ones. You have been raised up from brutality to kill the brutals who multiply and are legion. To this end, Zardoz, your god, gave you the gift of the god. The gun is good. The gun is good! The penis is evil. The penis shoots seeds and makes new life to poison the earth with a plague of men, as once it was. But the gun shoots death and purifies the earth of the filth of brutals. Go forth and kill. Zardoz has spoken.